Hello, welcome to Praying the Word of God. My name is Tay and I'm here to pray through the Word of God with you. Once again, I hope this message finds you well. I pray you're in good spirits and ready to sit with me in this moment to give a little time towards seeking God's face through devotion and prayer. A few days before we had any acknowledgement that the pandemic was sweeping through our nation, my daughter Sulema, we call her Susu, had an incident where a bed fell on her and my husband had it in such a way where it was propped up alongside a wall because he was getting ready to throw it away because it was broken. So Susu was running around the house playing with the dog and as she ran past the area where the broken bed was, it fell on her. And as she tried to prop the bed back up against the wall, a splinter went straight through her thumb. My husband and I, we saw a little piece of the wood sticking out of her thumb. So we pulled it out and we thought everything was okay. But days went by, you know, and Susu was still saying she was in excruciating pain, but we couldn't see anything. So we just thought the swelling was from her running into the bed really hard. Well, a week went by and the swelling never went away. So I took her to the doctor and he actually had to lift her nail bed to see if there were any pieces of the wood that was causing um, her thumb to uh, be inflamed and that was causing the pain. Now, although it was painful for her, we found that the issue wasn't even in her nail bed because the swelling was closer to her knuckle. So her doctor said she needed to go see a specialist because she may have jammed her thumb or something. So I took her to go see a specialist and he took an x-ray of her thumb and he did not find anything. There was no fracture, nothing broken in any way. So he told me that she was experiencing something normal especially if her doctor had to lift her nail bed and he told me to just bathe her thumb in some epsom salt and the swelling would go down in a few days so another week went by of me trying to nurse her thumb and you guys it was so painful for me to watch my baby try to keep a brave face for us And, you know, people even kept saying it looked better. But I knew something was still there. It may not have been underneath her nail bed. It may not have shown up in the x-rays. But I seen the pain all over my baby's face. So I had to get a little more assertive. And, uh, and, you know, insist that she be seen again. So the doctor, who was very kind to us, he warned me that he'd have to cut down through her thumb to the swelling to see what the problem is. So I let him know, you know, then that's what we have to do. And lo and behold, the doctor found a huge piece of wood located between the end of her nail bed and the knuckle of her thumb now imagine if I ignored what I was sensing from my baby 
Imagine how much longer she would have been in pain. And although her thumb, you know, is one of the smallest parts of her body, she could have lost it. All because no one sensed her pain and no one could see it. And, you know, I feel the same way about this issue of racism. We know that there are things from our past that have contributed to it. But there's still something in it that's causing the swelling within small pockets of our community. But if we see the swelling and still assume there's no issue because we can't feel it or we can't see it, we will be somewhat contributors of some people falling away. And just like Susu's thumb, some would contribute this issue to a small part or a small minority. But is it not just as important? Or are we okay with losing it? You know, we all want to heal. I really believe that. We all want to grow. We all want the best for our families and our communities and our countries. But healing is going to require us to go down deeper. To the things that our naked eye can't see. Just like Susu's thumb, some things simply have to be cut open to find out that some parts of the issue have been taken out at a surface level, but there's still a remnant of that same object that is contributing to the swelling and the pain. Now, with that being said, while listening to Bishop T.D. Jakes and his panelists, I found that moving forward not only involves facing the truth, but with that, we need to find out what it is that we need to know about our history that contributed to this issue so that we can move forward as a country and as the body of Christ. And one of the things we need to know is that Christianity and all religions are the shapers of our societies. And it is true, religion has always played a significant role in how we see morality and integrity. In fact, most of our government leaders in America receive their counsel from Christian leaders. We may not see a pastor in the White House or as a uh, governor, but they are people of influence. And people of influence are always connected to people of power. Now, throughout this discussion, they kept emphasizing something that we all need to understand moving forward, and that is the issues we clearly see within the Black communities should not be ignored 
It is an issue and I will personally address this later on. But we also need to know that those same problems exist wherever there's poverty, not wherever there's blackness. But the narrative of all things black is bad has always been spun, especially throughout the media and entertainment. You know, I was talking to a sister in Christ who happens to be white just a few days ago, and she let me know that she, like many other white Americans, grew up in a family and community who were sweet and nice, but still prejudiced against blacks. Even though she had never met a black person until she became an adult and moved away from her community. And you know, that puzzled me. So I asked her, if you never grew up with black people, how could you have a distrust or a dislike for them? And she said, mostly everything that she was taught about black people came from watching the news and movies and sitcoms huh interesting even if you don't see it in your communities and in your churches it's still right up under our noses and the concept of dehumanization and racism is woven into the fabric of our systems and therefore shapes how we view one another. And it shapes how we view ourselves. And it is true. You see it in our legal systems, the way people are policed. You see it in our education systems. You see it in our healthcare systems. And yes, you see it even in the church. Because of my professional background, I still spend a lot of time studying empirical research material. And, you know, there is a lot of studies that expose racial biases in pain assessment and treatment recommendations that come from false beliefs about biological differences between blacks and whites. And these biases and belief systems, they are still shaping our healthcare systems. And, you know, I've experienced this in my own life, you know, in my personal life. <laughs> um, I was pregnant with my second child, Susu, and I had decided to have her at a different hospital than I had my my um, oldest child. Because I just wanted, I heard good things about it and I just kind of wanted to experience it. And um, when it came time to deliver my baby, I was telling the two nurses that I was in excruciating pain. And the pain had become so unbearable that I let out a guttural yelp. (laughs) And the two nurses that was in there happened to be white. And they just laughed at me while I was in labor and delivery and excruciating pain and I was so embarrassed and ashamed and I didn't understand why they were was taking their time and 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 chuckling and it kind of did hurt my feelings and you know I spent a lot of time also with people who are not from 
America and have been privileged enough to have intimate conversations with them. And oftentimes I've been told that black American men and women are viewed in a not so good light and even dehumanized in their own countries. And from the onset of them landing on American soil, there is a particular not so good perception about black Americans. So without even going into detail, we can see who else is contributing to this notion of, you know, black is bad and white is good, right? You know, even as a black woman, I thought this way for most of my childhood throughout the early part of my adulthood. I'm sorry, even up until the early parts of my uh, uh, adult life. So this same narrative is being perpetuated, not just in white communities, but in black communities also. Because I grew up in in, in an impoverished community uh, most of my life. And for me personally, for a long time, I thought we were our biggest problem because all I seen growing up were black people hurting other black people while other groups despised us. And I really don't believe I am the only one who's had the same experience. And these experiences... Uh, experiences shaped our beliefs until we continued to get our get exposure and we found out otherwise and you know when we know this we can begin to acknowledge that the distinct dehumanization of blacks are woven into our constitutions for starters at one point Black Americans were written in as only three-fifths of a human when determining a state's total population for legislative representation. And it was called the Three-Fifth Compromise Plan. So this meant that only three out of every five slaves were counted as people for this purpose. So... This actually gave a disproportionate representation of slave states in the House of Representatives and Southern states. They actually had an unfair advantage on the presidency. Now, I believe it can be argued that other things were put in place to overturn things like this, such as the 14th Amendment. And that's true. But we also have to acknowledge the historical pattern of our system that implements more discriminatory and debilitating ordinances right after something is put into place to bring liberation and equality for us. For example, although the 14th Amendment repealed the Three-Fifth Compromise Plan, there were still a series of laws, new constitutions, and practices deliberately used to hinder black progression. And these same laws actually are still alive in some shape, form, or fashion. Just like it was necessary for the doctor 
to cut deeper beyond the surface of Sulema's thumb to find out where the issue was and what was the, what was still causing her swelling. We all need to do the same when it comes to racism in America and hate and division and oppression. And once again, please don't take my word for it. Even if you don't think that this is an issue for you, please do your research. Find out what laws and practices are in place currently in your communities that encourage hate, racism, and oppression. You know, Bishop T.D. Jakes brought up an issue with technology that I had no idea was even a thing. He said that the new face recognition features on uh, the newer phones are having trouble recognizing black faces and black features because they're different, obviously, than the faces it was designed for. So phone companies that have this new feature have been working on getting their phones to recognize us. We have the money for it, we buy it, and they don't recognize us. People who are not affected by racism don't have a problem recognizing our struggle because the system was designed with you in mind. It's designed for you to be seen, heard, and recognized. And this is exactly what Bishop T.D. Jake said. And you know, although our American systems are not fully designed with us in mind, he also emphasized, and which is so true, we still have to figure out ways to operate in it as black Americans. And for those of you who may be having a hard time recognizing the black American struggle, even in our churches, this is why. We always have to figure out how to operate in a system that was not designed with us in mind. But together, we can change that. And I want to let you guys know, racism is not going anywhere. Racism is a repeat offender. And ignoring it or playing it down will not make life for any of us better. And I want to keep saying that I am aware that what I'm saying is difficult for all of us to receive. And quite frankly, that's why some who are able to look away will look away. And I'm also aware that we're all hurting. I don't think the issue of racism and hate for a fellow brother and sister in humanity is just one person's issue. So I agree with the panelists who all said in some way that we need to remain vigilant so we can recognize where we keep going wrong. Then we need to do the work we need to do to bring about change. 
So I want us to reflect back on the story of the Good Samaritan and figure out what role we as individuals have been playing versus the role we should play as the church. I've even been looking in my own life and I see the role I play in racism and oppression. And I'll talk about that a little later in another part of this message. It's easy for us to see the issues people face in other countries and in other religions. But guess what? Now we have to start addressing some issues in our own home. And when we look at the perpetual oppression and abuse of a people group here in America, who does Jesus tell us we need to be like? In this parable, we find a man who has been stripped and beaten nearly half to death Then we find a priest, a man obligated to perform works of mercy, who sees the man, but walks right by him. Then we see a Levite, someone who was known for performing the same service as an act of public worship, saw the man then made it his business to walk away from the man and walk on the opposite side of the road. Then you have a man, a non-religious man, I might add. He had no religious obligation to do what was right. He was not related to this dying man in any way. But you know, it was something about seeing another human being bleeding half to death on the side of the road that moved him with compassion. So I ask again, which one are we? Let's pray. Father, Everything from our history to our obligation as believers to the role we play as individuals lay heavy on all of our hearts today. Abba, we need you. Those who believe in you also profess to love you. But how often we forget that our love for you will be tested by how we treat others. Father, as we seek you for the roles we need to play as your name bearers, please show us mercy as we show one another mercy. Give us grace as we offer grace to one another and strengthen us to do what is right in your eyes as we carry out the kind of change 
that reflects us as the light of this world and the salt of this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are a listener who's ready to help make changes and eliminate racism in America and within your own systems, you can text DEMANDS to 5516. And afterwards, you will receive information on many of the ways that you can help out. So I encourage you to go check it out. And I want you to stay tuned for the next episode of the uh, Praying the Word of God, this special edition, where I focus on the third point I learned from this discussion of the church and racism, which is moving forward involves us looking at the current systems that are perpetuating racism. And anyone who knows me know that I don't want to assume that you have already given your life to Christ or that you're already saved. So if you're ready to take that next step, please pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Your word teaches that in order to be saved, we must confess our sins, believe on the Lord Jesus, and receive him as our Lord and Savior. I may not fully know or understand what all this means, but all I know is that I'm ready to give my life and heart to something bigger and greater than me. So I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I turn from my sins, and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Father, help me to draw closer to you in every way while I'm on this journey called life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you want to listen to more prayers, they're available on the Make Me Good Ground YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms. You can also listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher, entitled Praying the Word of God. If you know someone who will be encouraged by these prayers and devotionals, simply share it. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praying the Word of God. And if you're someone who gave your life to Christ by praying the prayer of salvation with me today, email me at prayingthewordofgod2020 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you and take care.